How was Coldplay? So last, last night, night Coldplay <laughs> concert in the middle of Game of Thrones episode, which I was actually surprised by the number of people there with Game of Thrones related shirts on. Um, <laughs> and I like skipping the show. <laughs> screamed at all of them just to like be their friend, but nobody responded. One of the guys who's in the band was on the Red Wedding episode. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Which I totally and completely forgot about. And so at the beginning of the concert, they introduce everybody. And I can't remember the guy's name. But they so they introduce everybody. And they introduce him as being from Westeros. And I was like, LOL, Game of Thrones. Like, what a funny joke. Very relevant because the episode's on right now. And then at the very end of the concert, they talked about how he was in the Red Wedding, um, which I thought was really funny. And that got a good scream from the crowd. Are we doing the episode right now? I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? You think that's a good way to start it? Sure. Let's just go This is with not it. my podcast. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, this is not my show. I don't care. <laughs> I haven't done hundreds of these, literally. <laughs> Today is Monday, August 7th. It's the day after, uh, I just want to call it the Field of Fire. Mm, but 2.0. it's the Spoils of War, a.k.a. the Loot Train. Loot Train. Can you believe that? <laughs> which part? <laughs> the Loot Yeah, which which part of the episode? The Loot Train thing is just cracking me up. The fact that it's called that? Yeah. I just feel like it was right there. Like right after the episode, you mean when it was underneath the title card and it said, mm-hmm. stay tuned for a peek at the Loot Train. Just in case we didn't <laughs> yeah. know what to call it. Yeah. Here yeah. you go. I was glad that we had that supplied to us. Well, the like hype train. Fandom, like, handed them this amazing <laughs> name for this battle and they just decided that it was the Loot Train battle. It feels like some <laughs> That's true. wild right. west. I don't make the rules. This is Game of Bones. We're so happy that you're listening. Um, we usually record these episodes on Sunday night, but this is a... This is a special occasion. We've uh, got a guest on the show. Hi, I'm Haley Bowery. Uh, <sighs> I'm, <laughs> I'm in the band The Manimals. Uh, we are, I guess, g- Game of Thrones adjacent because we have a Song of Ice and Fire concept album called Seven. And thank you for playing Con of Thrones. And we played at Con of Thrones. And mm-hmm. for the party on Saturday as well. Yeah, we did. We we played twice at Con of Thrones. That was awesome. Unexpectedly. That was so that fun. That was so cool. <laughs> so Thanks fun. for having me. When well, we also had one of your songs on our early episodes this season behind our own segment yes we're supposed to be talking about this episode but i have so many things that i would love to talk to you about musically mostly regarding seven but i just want to say thanks for doing that because when we introduced that segment the first uh, owns segment yeah. of the season there was just something about that introduction when the when the snare and the drums came in mm-hmm. i saw the rest of like the season and the owns and I'll, I saw how it all sort of came together mm-hmm. based off of that. And it was beautiful because it's, oh. a, it's a long song that you wrote about Bran. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I think I imagined Bran being a lot more um, compassionate and human <laughs> by the end. <laughs> I wrote yeah, this record your between seasons five and six. It was very different then. <laughs> so. Bran was actually a character then. How do yeah. you guys feel about, because I know that we've gotten, there's so much to talk about. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Back up. <laughs> I know that we've gotten for example early in this episode bran had his heart to heart with little finger <laughs> yeah. you can call it that yes <laughs> no heart to no heart <laughs> and i feel like the issue of where his sense of self is i think we've got our answer right mm-hmm. you know he says stuff like oh yeah chaos is a ladder huh kind of loved that so what's going on with bran i don't know i want it, i do want to see him mess with little finger psychologically. Mm-hmm. I was so surprised by that because I'm just on our last episode, we were speculating on, we were saying that Baelish might be the worst person in Westeros besides Roars or Biter to come face to face with someone who can just look into your past and see all the, the lies that you've told. Yeah. And then early in this episode, he's, you know, he chose, it looks like he's, he sought out Bran to have that conversation, to give him that gift. So when I think about what Arya said later in the episode saying, oh, he didn't, or not what Sansa said, like, oh, no, he's not generous. He didn't give Bran that Valyrian steel dagger for fun. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think Littlefinger is trying to do with Bran? That was going to be my question for you. Because <laughs> 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 that's one of the big questions that I came away from that specific scene was not only did Bran completely own him, uh, to borrow a phrase from our <laughs> podcast, What what is it that Littlefinger was trying to get out of him and establish some sort of relationship with him? And he gives him cat's paw and he also calls him Lord Stark. And he's very much, I think, we see Littlefinger a lot this season grasping at straws in an attempt to gain more of a solid footing here in Winterfell and to be somebody who has influence because Sansa is dismissing him left and right. And so I think that this to him is going to be some sort of gesture to 
get Bran to trust him or appreciate him or see things his way. You know, I'm not sure. I I don't know if he necessarily, I mean, he obviously hasn't spent a lot of time with Bran. Otherwise, I think he would have probably played it a little bit differently. I mean, having one conversation with him and and you know that Bran's not going to react warmly to anything. So (laughs) He looks him in the face um, and goes, oh, chaos is a ladder. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And you, you look at Peter's face in that moment. He kind of flinches back a little bit. Oh very obvious reasons but i liked it this is my first moment of liking deadpanning bran because it was working in our favor (laughs) right i don't want to see him treat his sisters like that but damn like there's no i mean little finger what is his purpose right now in winterfell at all he's they don't need him for they definitely don't need him to keep the veil yeah john royce is there he doesn't like little finger at all unnecessary he's just hanging out smirking on terraces yeah (laughs) that's all following sansa around well yeah and we were talking about that it's still slightly mysterious to me i don't know if i'm reading what he said to sansa last episode before they cut to bran you know when he was telling her the stuff it sounded like you you guys tweeted at us about him being on acid or Mm -hmm. something yep (laughs) and then he shared his stash with bran apparently right and it's just kind of wearing off now and so now they're having their heart-to-hearts and exchanging weapons no but but for real (laughs) what was i gonna say Littlefinger and bran are coming down off acid together (laughs) but i was unsure if it was misdirection on the show's part because with the starks coming into their own this powerfully with Arya entering winterfell so confidently and having the sense of presence that she has to stand in front of brienne and like sort of mock Brienne for like not understanding how cool she is mm-hmm. <laughs> you know eh, you know yeah. a li- just a little bit and the same with the guards oh yeah for all of these Starks to walk in to have this kind of presence and power now is it on accident that we're feeling like Littlefinger is so silly or is that what they're trying uh, trying to do are they trying to transition Littlefinger away from being someone that we respect to being someone that's like silly I don't know, I don't know what's happening I don't know that that's really helpful story-wise though i don't know where they're going but yeah it's like this whole castle is now run by a bunch of kids who are all badasses and you just have this dude hanging out still yeah he's like but i'm gonna go talk to bran because bran might be the lord but he used to be so formidable because you didn't know what his game was really Mm -hmm. it was he he seemed like he was capable of any kind of maneuver and now i have no idea what his resources are i just feel like Littlefinger has been, whether or not you like all of his decisions, he's been at the top of his game and he's been smart and pretty savvy throughout this whole thing and this whole series. And I just feel like now he's just kind of turned into this, not comic relief, but almost, you know what I mean? Like, I just, I feel like it's so silly and that's the word that we've been using because that's the only way I know how to describe him right now. And to me, it's a shame that he, I don't know. I'm kind of grumpy about this whole episode, so I'm trying to like keep it really under wraps. <laughs> but this plays into it a little bit, which I just, I'm just kind of bored with this a little bit. And this, like, we get it. You guys are besting Littlefinger. We get that he's not at the top of his game anymore. That he loves Sansa. We understand it. Thank you. To me, he's like his character is too big to go down in the way that they're portraying it in the show. And not that Sansa and the Starks bringing him down is a small thing because that's this something that we've been waiting for. But I just feel like the way it's being done, I'm I I, we get it, and I'm kind of ready for it to be finished. I want them to bring down Peak Littlefinger, not this. Yeah, yeah, that's boring. (laughs) so true. So true. I totally agree. Snaps. (laughs) Haley, what did you think? Because I, I feel like we just touched on it with Hannah, and I'm going to circle back so hard. What did you think, if you could talk about this episode, the spoils of war as a whole? I know that- As a whole. Uh, there was so much emotion. This was one, it was one of the, just wanted to say, I don't know if you agree, but I think it's one of the most impressive marvels of television ever. Yes. There are a bunch of things. There were things that I was incredibly emotional about, too. Like just Braun looking like himself the whole episode? Just his beautiful <laughs> face <laughs> brought me to tears. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, there obviously there were some issues with Winterfell stuff, but I was, I, I feel like I cried through everything Arya did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that Mira and Bran scene was pretty depressing. Oh, so brutal. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously, the centerpiece of 
the episode of, as, as in like the loot train battle um, not call it was that? the most incredible thing. Can you call it like the battle for the loot train? The loot <laughs> Something train. crazy, you know? That was so just incredible looking and exciting. And um, that was like a sequence where I felt really like gripped by the show. Mm-hmm. And I think I was saying after watching it that, you know, I really don't like battles. And that's actually something that probably kept me from watching a show like Game of Thrones right when it started and why I avoid some fantasy too, just because battles aren't interesting to me. Right. Um, and this was this was definitely my favorite battle. What, what was different about it with the other stuff? Like, did you <sighs> like it more than the other fights in the show? Is that what you're yes. saying? I thought it was one of the, it was the best looking um it was amazing it was really exciting just because it was well done mostly because i'm on the jamie side jamie looked great (laughs) um but he was yeah prime form yeah but the i think a lot of it had to do with the character stakes and just that Mm -hmm. we're at a point in the story where i didn't know who was going to win or lose like you kind of like forgot uh who's sort of like protected by plot armor at this point and like what if like I mean I didn't think she would, but Danny could have died at a moment, and that was pretty crazy. Did you also feel like you didn't know who to root for? Right. So it wasn't just not knowing who would win. It was also yeah, like I really love Jamie so much. I love Jamie and Braun, but yet I guess we're supposed to be rooting for the Tarly's. dragon side. <laughs> mm-hmm. You've been talking about it for years. What it would eventually look like when these forces started to come together mm-hmm. and and our friends were fighting our friends and how yeah. how it would feel to have our emotions split. So right. right now to you and Hannah and to all of our listeners at home, it just happened. It just we happened. We got to see Braun and Jamie with like the heroic charge toward Daenerys. I'm I rooting can't. for Jamie to be a hero. Mm-hmm. Right. Amazing. Look at him. Looks he's right. glittering hit- hero. Looking yeah. on. He's like, you fucking idiot. But of course, oh, Jamie yeah. would run straight Run straight there, you know. Of course, that's something that Jamie would do, and it was such this unbelievable so moment. Tyrion so just mumbling under his breath, "What an idiot Jamie is!" As he's charging full mm-hmm. force Too much. towards a dragon, where Danny is standing. You know, it's just mm-hmm. that whole scene just felt like everything coming together, and that was easily one of my favorite parts Incredible. of the episode that I just yeah. like, kind of replayed over and over and over again because it was just so unbelievable. And you're on the edge of your seat cheering and you don't know who you want to win in that charge you know and, and you want jamie to succeed because we're coming around to jamie and he's been the human face of the Cersei camp and then you also want danny to win because she finally made it here and she has dragons and she is daenerys targaryen and so it's really cool to be able to feel that tension and i think that they did it as kind of Haley was describing, they've done it really well with this battle, and it felt much more than just a fight. It was it was this very emotional thing as well. I was so impressed by their decision to enlist Matt Shackman to work on this episode, to work on the show at all. His past work on Fargo, I know that the writers of the series are big fans of what Noah Hawley's doing with that series, and so that sticks out. And also David and Dan being so connected with the Always Sunny sort of realm, having had a cameo appearance. And they're kind of two vastly different entities, but I feel like what they're doing with that program generates the kind of fan fur- furiousness, f- ferocity that Game of Thrones does as well, but for a totally different thing. So I, not to go back, I'm, and this is nothing poor against the early directors of Game of Thrones, but we're not getting Alan Taylor or Alex Graves or David Nutter, these people that have established the look of GOT and that we're so sure that they can play in this medieval atmosphere. We're not getting them to do those episodes later in the series. They enlist a guy like Matt Shackman, who as a director moves so many different, I've only watched Always Sunny a handful of times with my friends. And every time I watch it, it's so complicated and there's so much trickery with all the characters. And it's so, <laughs> I don't know, it, it's really cool. And I, I love the intensity of the fan base. So to have him, I feel like bring that presence into this episode, I think is why maybe we like the battle so much because in a fight that was so gratuitous and filled with amazing effects, amazing choreography, I don't, I mean, there's so much, we could fill the podcast for three days just about the level of detail and just the blocking, the list goes on, but the emotions that I felt watching it as being connected to characters and the spaces they were in, like 
when Braun was running from the the Dothraki screamer, mm-hmm. the wagon light comes by and like the wagon like blocks his path. I just felt like I was there. Like mm-hmm. I understood that he needed to ride around it to go get him. Mm-hmm. And I understood that Braun was like pissed off about the gold and he was going through his own set of problems and Jamie was going through his and Danny's going through hers. And then Tyrion walks up on the hill like it's Lord of the Rings and he's watching the battle down below. And I'm like, that's Tyrion Lannister up there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you said, Hannah, it all came together and it had to be like one of those moments like Hard Home or like mm-hmm. uh, the door. Yeah. When yeah. we learn about Hodor or about the, the children, you know, yeah. when they're pushing it. It's like it was one of those moments. For sure. Well, even from the beginning okay. when they hear the horses over the hill and they don't 100% know what's actually happening and what's going on and you hear the screaming in the distance and it starts to piece together who's coming over the (laughs) hill there and your heart starts beating so fast. I mean, the Dothraki are charging on Jamie Lannister and his army. Yeah, it looked like he was about to get it. I really thought we were going to lose a really major player in this. So the fact that I... We got through to the end and it didn't happen. It was and it was still like that um, intense. Jeez. I mean, we're due for it, but I just think that Jamie just isn't. There's no way. Not this yet. is not his time, and not in that battle. Yeah. I know that it was so epic, but it was called the loot train, and it was just <laughs> on the road somewhere. Right. Just like they just got like bombed on the yeah. road <laughs> by a dragon, which is so fun because it it gives me hope for you know we know that. The Battle of the Green Fork or, you know, these these big, huge things that like have mythos surrounding them. Like we know that there's epic stuff there. And we know that uh, when you when you sat King's Landing, the Battle of Blackwater Bay looks like this and we're going to put X amount of dollars into it. And there's going to be extras and effects and stuff. But they had a string of the most gorgeous dragon uh, visual effects, not small shots, not a few of them. But we're talking like gratuitous stretch mm-hmm. of the episode. Danny sometimes just turning corners for the hell of it. Oh my God, it was beautiful. <laughs> Amazing. I could watch that dragon all day and I usually hate that because right. it usually looks really bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. This was, I think, like the best. This was some of the best CGI I've seen ever in anything. I'm not Easy. sure if that's cr- true, but like maybe there's some movie out there. That- but it was great. Jeez. And for it to be done on the road. On a loot train, like I said, and not <laughs> keep saying that one. <laughs> yeah, keep, keep saying loot train. <laughs> Let's call this episode train. loot train. No. <laughs> uh, for it to be on a loot train and not in King's Landing, and for it to look like this, like let's have that dragon and Danny and that Jamie and that Tyrion and that Dick and Rickon. Let's have <laughs> that in King's Landing where it's epic. You know, where mm-hmm. it, but no, let's just sell it on a dirt road somewhere. Mm-hmm. We're gonna put all the money into it. That's gonna be the set piece for this episode. They're just gonna fall. It just makes me feel more confident toward the end of the series because you know this is a high fantasy world and it's not always going to be at the castle like Daenerys might just fly in and take you guys unawares and because we're so deep in the story and we're through so many points of view chances are the random brigade that she attacks is going to have people like Jamie in it and yeah. Bronn in it and they yeah. might die right it's crazy and this is There's only just that few people left. I know <laughs> crazy when someone washes up on the shore it could be theon Greyjoy, and when he's there he could be face to face with someone that he grew up with that wants to kick his ass oh yeah you never know something that i had completely forgotten that they would even see each other again <laughs> when they did but yeah and i don't know if you guys are disappointed but it doesn't look like Gendry rescued theon i know it wasn't on yeah. the boat at all so no too bad someday we would have like a l- good lingering ab shot i think yeah if, we would uh, <laughs> he was on the boat mm. They know what we want. They do know this what point. we want. I mean, did you see this episode? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of that. Yeah. So what are we going to talk about, Hannah? Because I know we could, we really are going to, I know we're going to spend time on this battle, whether it's more in this episode or, or more so in our second episode of the week, uh, but we haven't gotten to talk yet. What are your feelings? I don't know your feelings. <laughs> My feelings are everywhere. You mentioned Theon arriving and John's, the two of them having their reunion together, and that was with a lot of great reunions in this episode, that may have been my favorite just because the two of them, the weight of that, the look on on Theon's face and when John tells him the on, what you did for Sansa is the only reason I'm not killing you. It's Real. been so cool and so fun and I'm eating it up every second of all of these little moments that we get with these characters that we completely forgot have any reason to do with each other. You know what I mean? Until they're standing mm. face yeah. to face. And all of a sudden, and I know we've been going through rewatch, and so that's been a great way to kind of keep some of this old stuff fresh. But 
to have Theon and John standing on the shores of Dragonstone talking about, mm-hmm. you know, alluding to what Theon did to the Stark family, I just thought was so powerful. And every moment and every character interaction, I feel like has so much weight behind it. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that they're kind of taking that care because it's important. I don't know. What did you think about the episode? I didn't. I, I'm trying. <laughs> Something that I kind of got in my head at the beginning that I really couldn't let go of this entire episode is for maybe the first time I, in a long time, I have really felt sad that George R. R. Martin wasn't telling the end of his story. And I think that especially with Sansa and Arya's reunion here, that it just felt like a big weight on me. And I don't know if I need to get over it. I for For so long, I've been this huge proponent of let's let David and Dan play tell the story they how they want to and let's enjoy the fact that we get to play in this space and i've loved it and i have loved this season so far and you know we get more opportunity to spend time with these characters that we love through the books and through the tv show but i just kind of felt sad that something like aria and sansa's reunion even if they kind of hit checked all the boxes i felt like that happening not in necessarily the way that george r, r. martin would particularly do it was something that I just couldn't get out of my head this whole episode. And so it kind of put a little bit of a shadow for me on a lot of these moments because I just feel sad that George doesn't get to tell that story. I don't know. And I don't know why that's happening right now. But um, I think that something like Sansa and Arya is something I've just anticipated since the end of book one. And so to see these big character reunions happen... Like I said, even if they check all the boxes, even if I think it was done pretty well, we couldn't really have asked for anything more. I just have this feeling of like, I don't want to say. Like it's not whole, maybe. Yeah. And I, what I'm about to say, I don't really mean at all, but I don't know how else to say it. Is I feel like it almost cheapens it, hmm. which I don't mean that because I love the show and I've loved what they've done. But I think I was just grumpy while I was watching it, <laughs> watching this episode. And so I've had a hard time shaking that as we talk about John and Danny and their conversations, as we talk about Sansa and Arya and Bran. And, you know, all these different things to me were shadowed by this fact that we're really, really, really near the end. Really near the end. Yeah. I have that same feeling a lot about I just have like this sadness about George not not getting to finish his story on his terms and that, you know, I think that the show is doing a good job in so many ways. um, But you know that they are just trying to get pieces into the right spot. Mm -hmm. So there is probably some depth lost by some of the these characters um, reconnecting. And yeah, I want something like as important as Arya coming home to you know, just have all the resonance it can. Well, how mm-hmm. did you feel about it, about the meeting? I mean, that, I mean, I I could have, there's maybe something missing for me with Arya and Sansa. I liked her coming, I mean, her, her coming home and with the guards was great. And I actually really liked her and Brienne. I thought that was yes, sweet. Yes, yes. Um, and it was a cool little fight. But I don't know. I I I, I feel like um, Sansa is kind of like a little bit of a cipher for me, like how she is in the show. Maybe what is what are they doing? I don't know. You know, know it's like, but it's like what we were talking about with Littlefinger. Like I'm just totally confused by the plan there. And Sansa is connected with Littlefinger, so yeah. I think everything that she's doing is a, a little odd. What are they doing? <laughs> Arya walks up to Brienne. The way that she entered the the sparring with uh, Brienne and Podrick. Mm-hmm. When when they cut to Brienne and Podrick, I felt like they had been at Winterfell training for weeks. It was just so natural. Mm-hmm. Like Gwen and Christie, oh man, she killed it with her mm-hmm. face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Killed it. Yeah. Same with, with Daniel. Like they are so good together. I felt like the time that they had spent, chances are it's probably from how much time they actually do spend with each other. Mm-hmm. But uh, when Arya walked up, I, I felt like that was the perfect, that's exactly what Arya would have done. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly what she would have said. All of it. Yeah, I just liked their little mutual respect, and it was, I just, I like seeing Maisie smile. Yeah. Just as warms my heart. We got to see a taste of it in season four when she was standing with the hound, and Arya was so suspicious, and we yeah. were like, just talk to her and appreciate her and have fun with her. You guys would <laughs> yeah. get along so just well. Smart, you'll love it. And it finally uh-huh. got to happen, and Arya, she, it. She, she brought, finally, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. she, she, it's, okay, so she's going to 
be the best person. Like she's going to outfight most people now, right? She's got mm-hmm. the water dancing and the faceless assassin skill set yeah. entwined into one. Yeah. When Brienne asks who taught her how to do what she can do and mm. Arya says no one. Whoever at home like claps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They know what we want. With Sansa looking on. Yeah, so what do you think about that? Sansa looking on. We I was not a fan. See, I liked it. Really? Well, I mean I just you her reaction know. was so weird. Is she doing it for her? Is it for real or is she doing it for Littlefinger? I mean, oh, no. I think that Sansa is probably surprised by Arya. And and you know, we see that a little bit earlier in the episode when Arya mentions her list and Sansa kind of laughs. Like, are you serious? You know, not quite understanding. I don't think that Older Arya sister things. has killed yeah. people. Of course you want to kill people. He's so cute. <laughs> yeah. Like, and so, and so to me, I think that like all of Sansa's reactions to Arya in this episode are her coming to the realization and understanding that Arya is this uh, assassin and that she has been through and has done unbelievable things. And so that's kind of how I see her watching Arya in this battle, or not, not battle, but <laughs> her watching Arya as she practices with with Brienne. Brienne is an incredible swordsman, and to have somebody like Arya with her little needle, with her hand behind her back, completely dominate the scenario is pretty unbelievable. And I think that that's just a big moment to show everybody, and and especially Sansa, that Arya is legitimate and they've been through they both have grown in unbelievable ways that neither of them can really fathom and this is kind of a taste for it so that's kind of how i read that scene i don't know why Littlefinger has to be there but he is yeah. sansa is killing it as lady as the lady of winter oh sure yeah. and so i Definitely. think that like i think that her skill set she can't read weird visions and she is <laughs> didn't come back to life and she can't kill people with a tiny fight, sword yeah <laughs> yeah but I, I mean i think that she has and i am such a everybody who's listening already understands that i just defend sansa to the death so um i'm gonna make excuses i just i think that her ability to run winterfell and to kind of prep winterfell for what they're about to see and to take care of her people and to be this incredible lady i think that sh- it's not the same skill set and it's not like cool by any stretch of the imagination but i do think that like she has grown into that role that just isn't quite as flashy as what some of her other siblings have i think it's cool yeah. i love logistics well, yeah. and none of them want to i love logistics rule too. at winterfell <laughs> like so not only do they not want to but they wouldn't be as good as her and, no. and come time like you said hannah come time for the the proof to i don't know work its way out of the pudding the the stores and the grains that she was yes. talking about with mm-hmm. little finger when they were overlooking yeah. the fight Every all of that stuff is going to be so much more important than someone save them. Gre- greedily fighting in a battle. You know what I mean? They're like right. taking down people. It's gonna it's gonna matter more. And maybe and maybe that that maybe that's a really cool thing because it it, it does seem really Martin esque to go look at all these wonderful plot points. Someone who's been in Bravos and trained mm-hmm. and then all this wonderful stuff. And you've got uh, Jon Snow, who's Jon Snow. Bran is you know he's doing his stuff. There's lots of <laughs> Bran is you know <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Let's also glorify the fact that our keep has lots of food and strong walls and like bright yeah. torches and room for all the people from the north to come and it's all taken care of. Right. That seems like a Martin thing to go, this is also cool. Let's get hype about that. That's true. Yeah. You and know? like, yeah, Arya like killing one person or does, five. yeah, or five people actually doesn't. The thing that Sansa's doing is more uh, long sighted. Right. That's what's so great about the two of them as sisters is that they both have these completely different skill sets that are just as equally important to the story as a whole so i like seeing them back together i saw a tweet last night that had a picture of the stark children together from the new promotional stuff that uh i think ann leibovitz took for vanity fair it said the wolves were the wolves are circling Mm -hmm. little finger the pack is and i'm thinking about all the stark children about what he did what he did to their fucking parents yeah and i'm like hell yeah. <laughs> it's going to come down. But I'm also annoyed that it's not peak Littlefinger. Yeah. Still want that peak Littlefinger. Maybe we'll get it. Maybe he'll do like something super evil and then we'll be ready for the wolves to get him. Or all he's done is given Bran and then Arya, who is an amazing fighter, Valyrian still that she's going to be able to use against the White Walkers. So, so far, all that he's done in Winterfell is bring the troops to help them 
and yeah. to give them a priceless weapon. Right. And to say a lot yeah. of crazy stuff. Yeah. He's also, he's just, he's on that Northern peyote. Yeah. <laughs> slash ayahuasca. <laughs> What's he doing? Oh, God. What are they doing? When they were walking above that fight. Strange. Uh-huh. That was a, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Someone killed Littlefinger 2K17. Yeah. Anyone. <laughs> we get it. It like cuts back to a flashback of Ned holding Littlefinger against the wall. <laughs> it's like we didn't need that strong of a flashback, but okay, fine. Do you think that we're too far in it to appreciate this kind of stuff? Or do you think that as we were talking about last night, they are being too heavy handed? We've never been called a program that's overly critical for the sake of it. And I know that you love the show, Hannah, and I know that you loved the episode too, Haley, and yeah. I know that I did too. I think that there's something to be said for a show that is pushing the bounds in so many ways mm-hmm. to not also, I guess, trust its audience as much as they did in the early days when George was primarily the pen behind the paper. Right. It's just, I, I feel like the lessons and the the things that they're trying to communicate for them, it's not being done as subtle mm-hmm. to match as good as the show is. Right. You know what I mean? It's such an amazing, did you see that, that, that battle at the end? <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. I like cheered after this episode. So I obviously really loved it and I'm being nitpicky. Do you feel like you're being nitpicky? Oh, mm, not dishonestly, you know, it's genuine. It's just, I don't know. I don't like watching Two amazing actors on a set that's probably the best of it of its kind ever, walking around a cave, looking at stuff that <laughs> should mean so much to me. Yeah. And then just being ki- kind of feeling out of it because of Can we talk about I the think cave? we need to. Yeah. We, have we, need to. to. <laughs> we need to. This actually was probably the thing I thought was the dumbest. Like we're talking about like Sansa and Littlefinger on the te- like whatever. That, but is, this, that is nitpicky. But this that is, is yeah. nitpicky. This is not nitpicky. That was a the, the cave was ridiculous to the me. The cave of wonders. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys see all those tweets after of people saying that John had went into the cave before with some chalk and drawn some scribbles and then brought Danny and was like, look at these insane drawings. Now I'm into it. Now I'm into it for real. Yeah. And then it was like, that's why they're so sophisticated. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That looks exactly like the White Walker you killed John at Hard Home. Do you remember? (laughs) And the the White Walker with the holding up the rock on symbol. Oh, yeah. Well, throwing up some double horns. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> so Hannah, what did you think? We haven't got to talk about this yet. The whole time I was thinking and slash yelling slash my notes are in all caps say, are they going to kiss right now? <laughs> because for no reason, <laughs> I just felt like for no, I was like, is this the moment here? Like, is this what they're trying to set up here? And that tension was there and I was just confused. And I know there's not, I, a, sorry. Yeah, you go. I was just going to say, I know there's not a lot of time. There's not a lot of time to get these people together. And if that's the plan, they have to do it somehow. But this, to me, like rewatching it, I was just like, someone like directed Amelia Clark to use her sexy voice now. Like, I don't know. It was just like, come on. I just like don't buy it like that. That's happening for either of them at this moment. Yeah. And I know that we joked about it a lot. And I feel like I've talked about this and are kind of into this whole like Danny and John, LOL, what a great ship. But sometimes <laughs> in practice, I don't, you know, we can joke about it and think it's funny and like, I, but sometimes in practice and kind of the way it's coming across, it just feels, again, like very heavy handed. And do I think that the two of them have a lot in common that could lead to some sort of romantic relationship? Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. yeah Absolutely. For sure. I mean, I mean, they're kin for God's sakes. They share so much. <laughs> <laughs> but when, so when Danny, to me, I thought when Danny asked John for advice on what she should do, to that me, was that was so the awesome. coolest moment between <clears throat> the two of them. Yeah. And that to me showed the weight that their relationship could have because that's a big thing. And Danny just turned to John and said, What do you think I should do? And he that gave was the best really advice great. of the series so far. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. jaw dropping yeah. real shit mm-hmm. you're not he just a sword it. and shield like that's not what he you know what i mean like and daenerys knows that now mm-hmm. so and cool. i like that more than let's look at these cave paintings that <laughs> we don't know what the spirals mean but we know they're out there they really want us to care about spirals though yeah so i mean i don't know if you guys <laughs> read it differently but that's kind of that moment between the two of them when danny asked for john's advice was the coolest moment between the two of them, easy that we've seen this it. season. I so could have taken it. a lot more of that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and I would have, I would be way more on board with the two of them getting together. Because yeah, it just seems like, um, uh, like a scene in the cave. Like I know there was some 
important things they were talking about, but it really just seemed like, let's put them in a sexy environment, like with good lighting. And let's just look at how pretty these two people are. And it just uh, when there's so much there that could be mined that they, yeah, that they have in common. Mean, like the dragon glass? <laughs> <They're> like, literal <laughs> mining. <laughs> He's like, I want to show you something before we blow it all to bits. Yeah. That was cool. He definitely drew those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> well, uh, I really like Amelia Clark and Kit Harrington together. I think that John and Danny, it's such a, like, it might be the most compelling duo on the show. I'm I'm here for it. I'm riveted when they're on screen. That's okay if you don't agree. <laughs> they have amazing <laughs> chemistry. Weird space here. <laughs> um, they yeah, they have good chemistry. But honestly, like that, because when they have a scene where like when he gives her advice, it's awesome. So good. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, that stuff's great. I agree, and I like they're supporting like their friends as well, like Davos and Missandei. I mean, yeah. yeah, they have some good sidekicks, they're like sidekick action. <laughs> I have yeah. a feeling that whenever she starts to warm up to him. That she's like, that they're going to be the best friends. Well, when oh Miss Sunday is talking about how she really believes in Danny and and Davos is like, will you forgive me if I switch sides mm-hmm. to John? Love it. Good. And and uh, when he was like, speaking of like a good hearts or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he's so flirty. It's they're so walking cute. Because he's, he's like, oh, yeah, I saw you staring at her great heart or whatever. And they have their talk and it's funny. And he, mm-hmm. he sees her and goes, speaking of good heart. <laughs> Normal. Davos rocks. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was funny. And it's all good spirited. So it's fun to have that exercise. I don't want to let go of the caves, though. I just want to say, why hasn't anyone ever told us about that before? That cave right there in Dragonstone. That <laughs> Wide open cave. Has all the answers to the whole series right there. <laughs> I mean, and did you see those White Walkers with the blue cave painting materials that they... You'd think Stannis at some point would have... M- Melisandre. Yeah, they're both pretty interested in these things. Yeah. I think that they would have known. Right? <laughs> so she knew about the White Walkers and all that stuff beforehand. We can assume she can see in the flames and see the future. Yeah. Maybe she saw her mistake with Stannis, with John. The list goes on. Maybe, maybe not. We don't really know. Mm-hmm. Is she, her trickery saying that she can't really see into the flames or maybe the Red God or the children, whoever it ends up being. We need Tony Teflon for this. <laughs> Whatever they're showing her is the truth and it's a limited scope. And so she doesn't have the full picture fine. But she lived in Dragonstone, and that cave basically had all the answers and the stuff that you used to kill them with. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So the children of the forest lived as far south south as Dragonstone, possibly, I guess, potentially the entire continent of Westeros. We need to call up Aziz and Ash and Sean. I mean, and that's wild. Yeah. You think about the first men either sailing to Westeros or being symbiotic with them. And you think about John's line and showing how they they were always together to fight the White Walkers. Historically, I don't think that that's accurate at all, <laughs> but I think it makes sense. As sure, far as the story that he's telling her, mm-hmm. it's just like it, it all it, to me, it felt like it just needed to happen. But when stuff happens naturally, like the moment between John and Danny, like out of necessity for the sake of that conversation, less so for the sake of storytelling beats and people at home, like remembering the spiral patterns mm-hmm. that were made by the children of the forest that the White Walkers are paying homage to and laying bodies in that pattern. Mm-hmm. And in case you forgot. We have a clip after this episode's credits. Yep. And we're going to tell you exactly how we feel about that subject. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think that's what I'm trying to get at when I talk about how I feel sad that George R. R. Martin isn't telling his story. Because I understand how these things are important for the end game. We don't have a lot of time. It's a different medium. And so things are going to be delivered differently. But something like finding out whether or not it is actually true that children of the forest were all the way in dragonstone or you know basically everything that you just said zach getting that from a show's perspective whether or not it's actually accurate getting the weight in that history you know it just it feels you know what i mean like it just it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel it doesn't feel fanfic you can say it (laughs) okay that's what i mean that's what i want to say it feels like fan fiction and i don't hate it necessarily because i love fan fiction but i just it makes me feel yeah and it it just it pulls me out of it a little bit and like i said this kind of weight of this story being told differently for whatever reason this specific episode bothered me it's not bad and we're not some decorated you know staff of critics that that can dive into it and tell you for all these soulful reasons why it didn't check so many box. But for me, just watching it as a person, I feel like getting that 
preview about the dagger and just the, how heavy it was and how heavy we're being taught the, the 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 when I saw the spirals on the cave wall, I was mm-hmm. disappointed. <laughs> I felt hurt because I've I, the magic behind how the world operates is my favorite part about yeah. Song of Ice and Fire. And when we got that reveal in season six about their genesis, how mm-hmm. the White Walkers were created, there was nothing cheap about any of that. It was so good. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that. So what's happening here? You know, mm-hmm. is this how we're well, supposed to find out about it? No. I think that people who are going to listen to this podcast and us are removed from this. But I just think that things like the spirals and the fact that chaos is a ladder is a callback to Littlefinger and what Cat's Paw Dagger actually is. I think that still, you know, 80% of people who are watching Game of Thrones are still just casual viewers. And so... They have to balance that somehow because, you know, I go into my office on Monday morning and everybody wants to talk about A Song of Ice and Fire or everyone wants to talk about Game of Thrones. And I'm so excited about everybody coming into my office with all their different theories. And I sometimes, very often times, feel like we're watching a different show. And I don't think that that's necessarily bad. I just think that it's a lot of work to appease different audiences. And whereas whereas before we had the books to continue to have this depth to it and we can argue about the way that that's translated onto the screen but now we don't have that same weight behind it and i think that they're doing the best that they can but that's a really great point it's a much Mm -hmm. different experience for us as book readers or as people who are in it in our day-to-day versus people who are just watching the show and who have just been waiting seven seasons to see drogon burn everything to the ground don't blame them because same but it's just it's a much different experience and i have felt more than any other season the divide between a casual show watcher and people like us who have no lives outside of <laughs> game of thrones <laughs> this is accurate <laughs> this week's episode is brought to you by stitch fix if you're like a lot of guys you could probably think of a million things you'd rather be doing than shopping for clothes between the parking and crowds at the mall and the endless browsing and lack of device online, it's enough to make you want to rock the same t-shirt and jeans forever. (sighs) But you can't. So let me tell you about Stitch Fix Men. They've reimagined how to find and buy clothes, and you never even have to leave the house. It's that easy. Just go to stitchfix.com and tell them your sizes, your favorite types of clothes, and how much you want to spend. Your personal stylist then gets to work handpicking new clothes for you based on your style and based on your budget. Five items are delivered right to your door. You try them on at home and you only pay for what you keep. Shipping's free both ways. So anything you don't want, just send it back. And exchanges are always free too. You can get your fix monthly, quarterly, or whenever you feel like it. There's no subscription required. It's easy. The shipping is free. Why not give them a try? I promise you'll be hooked. Get started now at stitchfix.com slash owns, and you'll get an extra 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. Mm-hmm. That's stitchfix.com slash O-W-N-S to get started today. Stitchfix.com slash owns. Today's show is sponsored by Blue Apron. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. For less than $10 a meal, they deliver seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients right to your door. And in these summer months, fresh ingredients are arguably more important than ever. And with our traveling schedule for the podcast, it has been very convenient to pick days that will be gone or weeks that will not be home, respectively, not to have a shipment of food left for us. Blue Apron is completely flexible, so you can customize your recipes each week and choose the delivery option that fits your needs. And Blue Apron's freshness guarantee promises that every ingredient arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right. Some of the meals available in August include basil pesto chicken with summer vegetable panzanella, sautéed shrimp, green beans with globe tomatoes, spinach, and orza pasta, whole grain pasta and summer vegetables because it's summer with heirloom tomato caprese salad, miso butter salmon and lo mein noodles with cucumber and charmed tomatoes, and finally certainly not least, meatball pizza with fresh mozzarella cheese and charmed tomatoes. You can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash owns. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash owns. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Today's show is sponsored by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? 
Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Finding great talent can be tough. Thankfully, with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than everyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash O-W-N-S. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash owns. One more time. To try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash owns. So Haley, tell us about your album Seven, in which you wrote <laughs> all the songs about Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. Well, I mean, you, you, you love the story enough to do that. And yeah. to put a band of people together to make music and to come to a convention, you know, to, to do all that you guys have done for yeah. it. So what's it like for you watching the show? Like, do you feel that way? Or are you are you feeling that way because it's so fresh? Like, did you feel that? Did you ever feel this way about episodes in the past? Is this a new feeling? Um, definitely picking things apart more as it's gone on, I suppose. Right. Um I don't know. The thing that made me write music about it is because of emotional resonance that I had with characters, because that's what the record's about. It's about like sort of universal emotions and struggles and isolation and stuff like that. Um, that happens to be in a fantasy setting. And that's what I've always found really beautiful about it. So I don't know. I, I tend to really feel like stressed out when things seem rushed on the show. That's mm -hmm. all. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> We're crunched for time. You can feel the weight of that. I think it's compelling, though. Like, I'm so excited to turn on the episodes on Sunday. It's oh, like, what's sure. going to happen? Oh, my God. Yeah, no, totally. And I love it. I've mm -hmm. I've enjoyed watching all of this. And this past episode, uh, it did get me emotionally in a lot of places. And it got me super psyched in those last, whatever, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. At a level that I don't think I've had... Uh, in a, in a in a bit, I don't remember a, a scene like that that has got me like hard home maybe. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it, hard home probably was probably the one. Um, but yeah, like white knuckle kind of crazy ending. Mm -hmm. So this just like Tyrion when he uh, was attacked by the Stone Men in Old Valyria when he went into oh the water and faded to black. Yes, I was half expecting like it to fade back up and have Jorah like rescue yeah. Daniel <laughs> or somebody. The same with yeah, with his brand new skin. Uh -huh. Great. Well, okay, so. Does it feel different to you being, you know, because you've studied Song of Ice and Fire more than most people because of how intricate you, I mean, you have to write lyrics for these characters. And so the story, blah, 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 like how having, with what Hannah said about having the story going to the places that it's going now without having those book references, are, are like, do you feel like you're nitpicking if, <laughs> if, something, if something doesn't sit right because it maybe would be done differently or deeper in the books? Or is it just because as a television show watcher, you just felt uncomfortable while you're watching or you, maybe you felt like they could have done something different? Or is that even the case? Um, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm actually terribly nitpicky in general. Um, but like I I know like pretty much everyone I know is obsessed with this show and with these books. And, you know, I, I hear a lot of like super salty opinions about it all the time. I don't think that I'm that person. I think I'm much more optimistic about the whole thing. But um yeah, I mean, sometimes things don't sit right. And I I have strong feelings how I feel like certain characters should talk and behave and like the kind of like beautiful prose that, you know, and dialogue that George wrote for these characters initially sometimes is missing. But, you know, like that's just that's not really fair of me. It's not fair. Because, I know. Like, it's, yeah. They're not mine mm -hmm. <laughs> just because I wrote some fucking like uh, musical fan fiction about right. it. Like it's not mine. <laughs> So they can do whatever they want. I don't know, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you feel? I feel like you've been asking us a lot of questions. How do you feel? I feel like I've seen your range of emotions on this episode really change. <laughs> I am. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was a marvel. I Like the fanfare, the tweets, 
you know, the, the, the community of, of our podcast and other shows mm -hmm. and websites and just in general, just the zeitgeist of GOT, like every time a new episode comes out and it accomplishes what it accomplished here, I just, I feel like I'm one of the biggest sincere cheerleaders for the series because of it. And I sincerely do love it. I think that's why that awkward moments or things that I feel like aren't at the normal level of their polish when it happens, it, it sticks out and lands because you know we've got 300 this is the 378th episode of the podcast so we we do look at things closely and i know a lot of our listeners do as well we just had four amazing listeners on the show on our last podcast and they were they were smarter and and more dialed into uh, the context of of the way things are working together and how to talk about it with us on the podcast as well I was just so impressed by how much people care about the series when something like doesn't sit well or when something doesn't quite land i think it really sticks out and now mm -hmm. instead of it happening with a tertiary character in a place like heron hall mm -hmm. it's happening in a place like winterfell with our favorite characters mm -hmm. our, the top mm -hmm. build cast aria sansa that's true you know and mm -hmm. so it it matters and we're so protective of, of course Stark yeah girls. exactly like, yeah. I mean, yeah exactly i want it to be perfect and like what you said hannah about just like wanting george to be able to have that moment of like Arya and Sansa meeting again. Like, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, that all this to say, though, I totally agree in the sense of we can still love Fuel the Fire 2.0 slash loot train, whatever <laughs> we're supposed to call it. <laughs> I still, I think that because we love this, because we love the series so much, we can take a step back and look at these moments that we don't think sit well while still loving every moment of the season. Because as you're talking about the level of enthusiasm and participation from just the community has been unrivaled. And so I think even in these moments when we're critical, and I'm so excited to talk about it with you guys, it still is this incredible spectacle that I don't want to not be appreciative of, you know? I feel like it's such a, it's such a hard yeah. balance, I think, sometimes to find. It feels dirty. Yeah. I don't like watching it and not liking something, you know? <laughs> yeah. I really don't like that. I like I watch a I was watching American Gods a few days ago. It's a great show. You know, but I mean we're talking I mean, is not there just no one is playing in the same realm than the same realm mm -hmm. as these people. Yeah. David and Dan and Brian and people like Ramin mm -hmm. and people like Paula and her work shot through so much in this episode. Oh my With god. Jogon's wings yes. and his roars. People like that that work on this series. They don't go home at closing time, you know, like they stay until 830 or Paula works in her house. She has an Atmos studio in her house and she works on this at home and she buys bones and, and goes out in the desert with her shotgun microphone to hear sand because it sounds cool. And because she cares about her art form. Yeah. And for me, and I know like because we spoke to him last summer, I know how excited he is about this. And so he also understands the responsibility of going into S7. And Jamie and Tyrion standing a couple hundred yards from each other. And then, oop, Drogon lands. And there's Daenerys as well. Mm -hmm. He understands. They're excited. You can tell like that they get to do this. And so it all blends so seamlessly together. And so I guess just to put a button on this, because I know that <laughs> I was surprised when you resonated with what I was feeling earlier, Hannah, in the episode. I was like, oh, man, like maybe maybe it's not just me, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Maybe it's not just me. And I thought it might have been because it's easy to get kind of lost in the the noise. but. The show is batting on a level that I've never seen before. So so it's even easier to look at small exchanges that don't quite work as well as Braun and that scorpion. Oh like my God, yeah. when he kicked the thing and the doors fall down, it's like, show me a movie that has a better sequence than that. Yeah. <laughs> or when Braun is walking with the that that long tracking shot. Yeah, through just the flames and like mm -hmm. that's just incredible. He pulls the sword out of the guy's body yes. and starts fighting with it. That's pretty amazing. Sick, yeah. He's got a guy like hunting him down, like John was getting chased down by the White Walker at Hard Home. Yeah. The overhead shot when Danny cut cut through the the ranks of the Lannister men and they're riding through mm -hmm. like Stannis's column attacking the wildlings in season four. Yeah. All of these different things that they're like, all these themes that they're repeating on each. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it's masterful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And next level too. So too. yeah. While also being the most popular show for the coolest book series written by a pretty damn cool dude. Yeah. So, <laughs> so look how much we like everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, know. I know. There's one last little moment I want to talk about before we, get to our owns that I would be remiss if we didn't bring up. One thing I think they did do very well and when we talk about 
playing to an audience who's smart and knows what's going on. The small moment and mention of the Golden Company that Kyburn has been speaking with was really, really cool and intriguing. And so let's talk about how we can subtly play these big themes into this theory. And I felt like slipping the Golden Company in there was very interesting. Makes me feel good for book plot. Yeah. yeah you know? Also, Kyburn's Hand of the Queen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kyburn's Dragon Cannon works. Yeah. Yeah. Their plans work. The, the men, uh, Tycho Nostoris is talking to Cersei, and he's like, he basically tells her straight up, you're smarter and more strategic than Tywin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. She like kind of got everything she wanted. <laughs> I mean, what a damn move yeah. to pay them back all at once. I mean, sorry, Danny showed up and probably melted most of the gold into the sand, but right. wow. No, I think all of it made it. Did it? Didn't, what's his name? Randall come up and tell Jamie that it had made it into King's Landing, the gold. Or an, I watched this episode at six o'clock in the morning. So who knows? First car of the loot train <laughs> made it. But, the rest was incinerated. Right. Maybe. Uh, if it did make it great. I thought that um, her plans might have been disrupted. I need to watch it again. Maybe uh, I would say tweet us, but we'll probably know by then. Yeah. Like right after in recording, next, I'm going like, to look minutes, this up. Find out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you still just want to tell us, that's fine too. But uh <laughs> Maybe that happens, so her plans aren't disrupted. I don't know. So if they're not disrupted, that would mean what? That the Iron Bank got its due and that they're going to lend them the money to hire the Golden Company to fight Danny and the Targs and <laughs> to also fight. Yeah. I guess if the gold did make it to King's Landing, then what was the point of that battle? If Jamie didn't doesn't die, which I'm just stating as fact, and mm-hmm. the gold made it into King's Landing, I guess maybe just like a show of strength. But I guess Danny didn't really necessarily accomplish anything strategic if both of those things happened. But IDK. I think the whole, yeah, yeah, I mean, I feel like the whole point of her striking there was just show of strength, honestly. Yeah, because that could be reason enough. She she opted not to go to King's Landing. So it was like. Surely they knew that. She needed to just show off a dragon. And be <laughs> we, like, we all needed it. She needed it. We needed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, that footage. That shot where he's uh, wide. It's a it's wide angle mm. and it's from the Drogons from the side and he's blasting down that column of flame about fifty feet high and oh, yeah. everyone's blowing up from the ground. Yeah. Like flying in the air from the sheer terrible force of his fire breath. Yeah. Trogdor the Burninator. That's great. <laughs> Jamie and Braun are going to be captives. Unless they stay at the bottom of the water and mm. like use reeds to breathe and like <laughs> escape. Well, uh, yeah, I guess I'm assuming that that Jamie's going to be somebody's captive again. I mean, time does repeat itself. It does. Maybe he'll get muddy again. Mm. <laughs> Maybe Brienne will come back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> take a bath. Oh, my God. Yes. Can they take another bath? Oh, yeah, they can. Season eight. I hear the springs are wonderful <laughs> in the Sapphire Isles. <laughs> what does a Jamie Braun captivity situation look like with Tyrion you oh know, being God. the hand of mm-hmm. their captor? And what is Cersei's reaction to that? I think is also an interesting question. Yeah. Something I am looking forward to and hoping that we will get to see is Tyrion and Jamie interacting with each other and having some sort of conversation and some sort of moment between them. And so I think that if a captive situation does end up happening, um, it it would be really neat to see the two of them interact at this point in the game. Mm-hmm. It would be flip side. Yeah. It would be Tyrion talking to Jamie being prison- imprisoned and Tyrion, like knowing and understanding Jamie as much as Jamie did yeah. when Tyrion was the guy who caught, except it's, you know, he's got the power now. So what is he going to do? Because mm-hmm. you know what Jamie did for him? Yeah. Do they take Maybe Jamie back finally to tell him about Tasha. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be weird. I, I don't know. Or does he stay at the bottom of the lake and just gets out of it? He can't stay there forever. Jamie's a merman. Jamie is a merman. <laughs> Confirmed. Speaking of Varys on the beach with Tyrion and his legs. Uh. Stop looking at it. Before we move on to Eastwatch and all the things that we can't wait to see, I think it's time for us to give our owns of the spoils of war. What's your own, Hannah? My own, I have thought long and hard about what moment I want to give my own to. And I think that I want to give it to Daenerys and Missandei talking about Grey Worm. <laughs> because Lots I happened. feel like... <laughs> I love that we get the two of them are powerful, making moves, running the game, doing amazing things, doing amazing sweeties. Just (laughs) it's it's been really cool to see them in real positions of power, finally accomplishing everything they want to, even if there's a couple 
mishaps along the and way. And looking great with mm-hmm. that three-headed dragon brooch. Ooh. Sorry, Hannah. I just want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> but to have them walking and chatting about how they haven't yet heard from the Unsullied and they haven't heard from Grey Worm. And they both kind of, Masendaya alludes to the fact of everything that happened before Grey Worm left. And they both kind of smirk at each other and just give each other these looks of, we need to have a conversation. I just felt like it was such a cool, genuine moment. Yeah, It was so cool. That's a moment I would have with any one of my girlfriends. So own to to Danny and Masendaya because I just thought that was such a, a nice little 30 seconds. Between the two of them, Haley Bowery, we need uh, we need your own. <laughs> You're next. Um, okay, um, my own goes to the Dothraki screamers yes. finally living their best life. Yes, Sweeties. yes. <laughs> like standing on horses, oh, yeah. screaming. They loved, they loved it. They've literally been like waiting for this for so long now. <laughs> on their wooden horses. Yeah. Oh God. They hated that. They didn't like it. I bet they were sick the whole time. Oh, God. Yeah. Of course. That's perfect. Excellent own. The Lannister guard shaking. Oh, God. I was just as scared. Yeah. Holy Drogon. Okay. Um, I want to give my own to the fan community, but I'm not going to. (laughs) (laughs) But I still am. That's very sweet. Last night was so fun. We recorded your podcast, Drinking Game of Thrones, and it was a totally different experience for a Sunday night for me. Hannah was seeing Coldplay or Train. We can't quite put our finger on it. Could be either. How long ago did you make those plans, Hannah? And how nice is it the 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 fates and the seven gods and all the old gods and Bacalon and the list goes on, the pale child? How to get it all worked out in this way? How long ago did you book that ticket? Maybe a year and a half ago, like forever ago. Wow. And the listeners on Twitter participating and owns this was uh, the bar has been we we say that we've been saying it progressively every week, uh, but the bar has been raised so high. Like I don't think it could get more fun than what last night was. So thank you for that experience, everyone. Sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, it was really fun, and I'm sad that Hannah got to miss out on it. Had to miss out on it, but. Aww. But she was enjoying it's okay. Yeah. I was living my life. <laughs> she was back in the atmosphere. <laughs> I give my own, I'm gonna give my own to Bron for being the 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 hero and the villain at the same time and and carrying it only like Bron could. Mm-hmm. Only like Bron could. And for having the audacity to demand High Garden from Jamie. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the sheer audacity, the nerve of Bron, mm. the nerve. Own to you. No, he's got some uh, big swinging balls. I love you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he also made that ballista look cool when Kyburn made, made it look so lame. dumb. I know. That's so true. <laughs> that's so true. Tertiary owned to Kyburn's dragon cannon, uh, you know. Dragon, dragon corner. Cannon. <laughs> that's totally and his dragon corner. And uh, thank you again to all of you who have been sending in your owns. We have a couple days until we're recording our next episode of the week. And it is going to be um, so fun because this episode, I feel like we've got so many more small moments to talk about. Mm -hmm. And there's also going to be just a cascade of those owns from Sunday night that we've also got to talk about. And I'm really excited if you'd like to send in your own and participate with us on our next episode. Here's how. You can tweet at us at Game of Owns or you can find us on Facebook by searching for Game of Owns or if you would like to, you can send us an email to contact at gameofowns.com. And I think we should mention that we've been putting together a I Westerosi mixtape, <laughs> if you could call it that, um, every week for the season at westerrock.com. And we've been featuring your music on it because you wrote an album called Seven and you played at <laughs> Con Thrones and you guys are making videos and it's so fun. If, you should go listen to that, to, to, to Haley's band. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. it'll get you so hype. You guys Thank are so you. good. And the care that you put into translating the story into music is just, you know, we can't do that. We could make hundreds of podcast episodes and it still wouldn't be that, you know? And I, it's, no. it's so cool. The thing that you guys do is so fucking cool too so but thank you very much absolutely thanks for coming on the podcast this is a lot of fun thank you for having me Mm -hmm. hannah you gonna help me here (laughs) you're doing amazing (laughs) no i have been so excited to talk to both of you for hours and so Haley, it's been such a blast to have you i feel like i mean as zach was saying you have uh this ability to break down the characters into music and i think that that's so incredible and so your understanding of the series. It's just been, it's been such a blast to talk about such an important episode together. And so 
appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us. Thank you so much, Hannah. So nice. (laughs) (laughs) This has been super fun. Let's do it again. Yeah. Sound good? Anytime. Okay. (laughs) I wanted to thank all of you for listening and for participating and for sending in your owns and for hanging out with us on Twitter and on Facebook. As we have said a million times this episode, having the opportunity to do this all together and to participate and to analyze and to make hilarious jokes and the memes that we get sent (laughs) are just, they are my favorite thing about everything we get to do. And so thank you so much for, for listening and for participating and for watching. It means the world to us that we get to do this together. You're doing amazing, sweeties. You're all doing amazing. Pack up those rollerblades. We'll be back later this week with another episode Uh, where we get to dive into a little bit more about what happened. And we'll be posting, as always, questions on our social media and on Watchers if you want to answer some of our discussion questions and be part of that conversation as we break down all of the 10 million amazing moments um, that we barely had the chance to scratch the surface of today.